This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. WBBM News Time 1203. It's great to have you with us for the Monday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Cisco Cotto. The Noon Business Hour is presented by the Village of Bedford Park. What's going on with coffee prices is they are soaring. We're all concerned about that. Also at 1249, it is Stock Picker Monday. Hurricane Ida ripped through Louisiana. It's going to cause disruption in oil production. What's that going to do to gas prices? We'll cover that coming up in our next segment with Phil Flynn. Right now, key reports from the housing market are on the calendar this week, along with the government jobs report for August. We're joined by Greg McBride, chief financial analyst at Bankrate.com. Greg? Uh, let's begin with the labor market data. When when do we get it and what do we expect to be in it? Yeah, going to be a busy week of economic data, punctuated, of course, by that jobs report on Friday. But even starting Wednesday, we get the ADP employment uh, report. And that's often seen as an early indicator of what we're going to see on Friday. Oftentimes it sets the tone. Doesn't always move in step with the uh, jobs report. Sometimes we get a head fake, but I think you know that's really when the tone will change come Wednesday. A lot of people looking for that as we lead into unemployment claims on Thursday and then the big August jobs report on Friday. And really wanting to see if we're continuing to see that that forward movement in the wider economy, but especially in the job market. Yeah, I mean we've had two straight months of over nine hundred thousand jobs added. So what do we have for an encore? Expectations call for a still very robust 750 to 850,000 new jobs for the month of August. Let's talk about home sales. We're going to see pending home sale numbers. We're, we're seeing pending home sale numbers. What are they showing? Yeah, they were down um, about 1.8% following last month's uh, 2% decline. Uh, I think what you're seeing in housing, and we'll get a couple of housing price indicators tomorrow, uh, but I think what you're seeing is that there's still this limited supply. It's improved a little bit, but the rising prices are really starting to pinch some buyers and push them to the sidelines, and you've seen some activity cooling as a result. And is any of that, I guess it's difficult maybe to parse it out, but is any of that the fact that we always hear that, you know, by about June or so, people want to have their houses settled because kids are going back to school? Yeah, I mean, there's, I think, a sense that we might be seeing this return to seasonality uh, that in the housing market that had been really, you know, absent during the pandemic. You know, the spring of 2020, things were largely shut down. The spring buying season didn't happen. And then as the economy reopened last summer, you had this massive burst of activity that's really sustained itself now for over a year. Um, You know, it's cooled a little bit, but I think at this point it's still sizzling instead of white hot. Uh, Do you have any concerns? We're we're going to talk specifically about oil and gas prices in that in our next segment. But anytime a big hurricane moves through the United States, uh, hits a major city, just wonder, are there implications to the wider economy? Generally not. Uh, It can be devastating to a local economy in the short run. um, But in terms of the national economy, 
We've managed to weather major uh, natural disasters, hurricanes and earthquakes and, and the like, uh, without disrupting the the national economy and the pace of, of recovery there. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the sooner that recovery begins in that affected region, it actually gives a boost to economic activity at that point. Thanks so much for all of the insight and analysis. Greg McBride, Chief Financial Analyst at Bankrate.com. Uh, just ahead, we'll talk about the impact of the hurricane on the energy markets. What's going on with oil production and what might it be uh, affecting the price of the gas pump? Also, Stock Picker Monday coming up at 1249. And let's talk about what may happen to oil prices now that a hurricane has ripped through Louisiana. Let's talk about it with Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst at Price Group. Uh, Phil, as I just mentioned, price is up about a third of a percent today. Kind of seems like the markets are not all that worried. Well, they're not that worried, but there's more uh, questions and answers at this point. And we're just starting to assess the damage. Um, the early reports show from what we are hearing that the damage to the the refining capacity, which is about 17% of U.S. capacity, the refineries were not damaged that bad. That's the good news. The bad news is it is difficult for these refineries to operate because much of New Orleans is without power right now. So it's kind of a good news, bad news situation. Right now, the market's trying to judge just how quickly things can get back to normal uh, in New Orleans and how fast we can get these refineries back up. Oil production, 95% of that was shut down in the Gulf of Mexico, how quickly that can come back up. Um, and, you know, right now it looks like it's going to be a matter of weeks, not days, uh, for this to get back to normal. So this is going to be a fluid situation. Um, we've seen some extreme volatility in the wholesale gasoline prices. Initially, they were up as much as 10 cents a gallon. Right now, they're up about two and a half cents per gallon. And that is really going to continue to fluctuate as we get more news on the damage. When it comes to refineries, I mean, talk about how nimble they can be. I mean, if they're having problems because of what's going on in Louisiana, do they have other refineries they can just step up uh, refining, or is it just not work that way? Same with uh, actually capacity, pulling it out of the ground. I think when you talk about refineries, other refineries that have spare capacity can pick up the slack a little bit, but it's, it's, it depends on where it hits. It's a little bit complicated to see if you can you know, get the pipelines up and running. You know, right now, it's, it's, it's the refineries right now haven't been damaged, but they can't really come back online because they can't, you know, the pipelines that bring the oil to the refinery are down. So there's so many moving parts right now uh, to put it together. But to get back to your original question, there are times where other refiners can pick up the slack, um, you know, and, and that can definitely ease the situation. And some of these refineries right now do have some spare capacity, and that is going to help. We're also going to see imports of gasoline coming from other parts of the world, and that should also ease concerns. So when it comes to rising prices, uh, what does that usually look like as far as a time frame at the gas pump? I mean, if there are challenges, do we see that this week, next week, weeks out? How, how does that usually go? I think you're starting to see it already. Um, the national average uh, peaked up a little bit of a penny, okay? And it looks like that the increase, if the electricity can come back on, will be modest. So, you know, initially the expectations were a 5 to $0.10 cent a gallon uh, jump in the price of uh, gasoline. It looks a little bit <clears throat> more modest. But I would expect that you're going to start seeing prices in the Chicago area start to, to perk up. 
and I think in Chicago, as much as five cents a gallon over the next week. Now, it can be more than that if we get more reports that the um, the uh, pipelines or the electricity is going to be down longer than anticipated. But if they can bring them back online, you know, they can bounce back quickly. I would bet right this minute there are people in the Gulf of Mexico bringing production back online. So some of that production we saw come back online. We'll get a report today, later today, that it's already starting to come back on. So they can be, the production in the Gulf of Mexico can be back on in a matter of days. Always good insight. Thank you so much, Phil Flynn, Senior Market Analyst at Price Group. Coffee prices are rising, along with oil and gas prices. In fact, the price of coffee has hit a four-year high. We'll find out what's going on. That's next. Making sense of your dollars. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Multiple factors are driving an increase in the price of coffee, while there's concern about the supply of a Thanksgiving staple. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Phil Lempert, founder of SupermarketGuru.com, based in Los Angeles. Phil, let's begin with coffee. What's going on with coffee prices? Well, Cisco, I know everybody blames the pandemic for everything, uh, but this is something that is both pandemic-driven as well as climate change. What we've seen is Brazil, which is one of the largest producers of coffee in the world, um, has had a devastating frost. And as a result of that, the crops are estimated to be 30 to 40 percent less um, in volume. And what that means is prices are going to go up. And in fact, the prices are the highest that they've been in almost seven years. And that's going to come through to us as consumers, both in supermarket shelves, as well as when we're going to Starbucks and every other place. And do, do we have any idea how long that lasts? I mean, I'm, I'm guessing there's an ebb and flow to it. Well, yes and no. Uh, the problem is the coffee trees take about seven years to grow. So the worst case could be seven years. Uh, But also, back to the pandemic, the problem is shipping containers. Um, When COVID-19 hit, there were a lot of shipping containers that got locked in ports around the globe and are still there. In some cases, there's food rotting inside for the past year and a half. So we don't have enough transportation to actually get what beans are available to the U.S. Um, Now, the trick that a lot of people are going to try to play on us, and we've got to be careful, there's two types of coffee beans. There's Arabica and Robusta. Now, Arabica is the higher quality. That's what's coming from Brazil. Robusta typically has sticks and twigs in it. Um, So there's less coffee, uh, but they grind it all up together, and the average person can't tell the difference by looking at it, but you can certainly taste the difference. So it's going to be very important for us when we're buying product um, to look to make sure that it is Arabica. But prices are expected to go up probably 30 to 40 percent. Now, that's good when you're at the store and you're buying packaged coffee. uh, But when you go to a shop and just get a cup of coffee, it's a little more difficult to know what kind of coffee you're getting, right? You have no idea what kind of coffee you're going to get. Correct. Um, so, so that's why you know those people who are really heavy-duty coffee drinkers go out, buy buy it now, put it in a dark sealed container in your cupboard. Don't put it in your freezer. Don't put it in your refrigerator, and stock up because prices will go up. Let's talk about turkeys. Uh, there's a report out. We can expect there to be fewer, smaller turkeys this Thanksgiving. 
Yes. Uh, the problem, again, has to do with the pandemic, with labor shortage and transportation shortage. Um, there are going to be plenty of frozen turkeys around, um, but most of those, even from Butterball, are going to be those large 20, 22-pound turkeys that take forever to defrost uh, before we cook them. So the problem is really about fresh turkeys. The average uh, or the most popular turkey size is 14 pounds, um, and that they're saying we're not going to see. And in fact, uh, a good friend of mine, Stu Leonard, who runs stores up in the Connecticut area, um, has said that, you know, for his orders of turkeys, he's only getting 50 percent of what he's ordered. So he's got a problem. Also, in New York, another retailer by the name of Morton Williams, um, they were told uh, by their suppliers that they're not going to get any birds that weigh less than 16 pounds whether they be fresh or frozen. So if you do want a small turkey, your best bet is going to be buy it soon, buy it frozen, and keep it in your freezer. Thanks so much. Always good to talk with you. Phil Lempert, founder of SupermarketGuru.com. Still ahead, how credit score can impact a relationship with your significant other. Also remember, Stock Picker Monday coming up at 1249. <laughs> This is Chicago's all-news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Cisco Cotto. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Widespread power outages and massive flooding are reported in Louisiana in the aftermath of Hurricane Ida. The latest next in a special report from CBS News. There are three key financial questions you should ask your partner early in the relationship. And it's Stock Picker Monday at 1249. We'll get a pair of ideas from an investing pro. BBM Business, the Dow up 14, the NASDAQ is up 140, and the S&P is up 24 points. Oil today is up a little more than a half a percent. Sunshine throughout your day. Right now, 81 at O'Hare, 77 degrees along the lakefront, heading to a high of 86. CBS News Special Report. Ida, which grassed ashore as a dangerous Category 4 hurricane, is now a tropical storm, but is still packing up powerful punch. But it appears some places fared better than previous storms. Stephen Timphony lives in New Orleans. It's pretty intense. A lot of wicked winds. Luckily, no flooding. That's the, that's the main difference between this storm and uh, Katrina. Louisiana Governor John Bell Edwards visited Baton Rouge. Virtually no one has electricity in this part of our state right now. We have water systems that are out. We have tremendous damage to homes and to businesses. CBS News meteorologist Jeff Beardelli on the storm's track north. Very heavy rain along the coast of Mississippi, Alabama, and then northward from there. It'll be in Tennessee during the day tomorrow. And then as we head into Thursday, it'll be in the northeast. One death was blamed on the storm, but hospitals already stretched to near breaking points by the COVID-19 pandemic are bracing for an onslaught of new patients. CBS News Special Report, I'm Matt Piper. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets are a little higher. The Dow up 7. The Nasdaq up almost 1%, 139 points. And the S&P is up 24. Let's see what's going on. Jim Welsh is joining us. Macro strategist, portfolio manager at Smart Portfolios. His website, macrotides.com. The Noon Business Hour presented by the Village of Bedford Park. Jim, what do you make of what you're seeing on Wall Street today? Well, we're seeing pretty much more of the same, uh, Cisco. Uh, I think one of the keys has been Treasury yields have remained really fairly low. 
And a lot of mar- market participants have kind of looked at that and said, oh, yeah, the bond market is telling us that inflation is not going to be a problem. It's going to be transitory. I think there's a more practical uh, reason. Uh, the Treasury had $1.6 trillion uh, at the Federal Reserve that it, it's balanced, okay? Since uh, March, it's gone from $1.6 down to $200 billion. So the point, Cisco, is that since the Treasury had so much money already prepared to send out, they didn't have to issue any new Treasury supply. And the Fed is buying $80 billion a month. So I think that's been the main reason why a Treasury yields came down and have stayed down. Now, because Congress didn't pass uh, the debt ceiling, when they get around to doing that, at some point in time, the Treasury is going to have to play catch up. It was expecting to issue $673 billion in the uh, third quarter and projecting $700 billion in the fourth quarter. So I think one of the key elements in the next few months is going to be the end of the debt ceiling and watching how Treasury yields behave. I think they're going to go higher. And when that happens, I think the mega cap stocks, which are having a great day today, they will come under pressure. And I think that's one of the keys to the market between now and year end. So in light of this, what should an investor do? I mean, how do you either uh, take advantage of that, but also avoid some of the downsides? Well, that's been a a tough uh, question from a standpoint. Over the last couple months, I thought the S&P was on the verge of a 5 to 7% pullback since most stocks really weren't doing as well as the S&P 500 and the Qs. So I think you still wait a little bit. I'm I'm waiting for the uh, Russell 2000 to break out of the sideways pattern that it has been uh, since early February. And until it does that, I think we're going to get just kind of more of the same, Cisco, where a lot of stocks get a bounce here and there, the, the cyclical stocks, as they did on Friday, and then there's no follow-through. So I'd just be patient and wait uh, until we see some kind of a modest pullback or the Russell 2000 closing above 2300 Now, we see technology shares rising today. Uh, is there still some room to run in general in technology? I, I know for a long time that's been the sweet spot for a lot of investors. It has. Those are great, great companies. But one of the other issues that has been driving the market, for many, many years, Cisco, the average daily volume of call options was $10 million. Now we're doing 22 to 23 million calls a day, and they're focused primarily on some of these mega cap stocks. So as that call activity uh, comes into play, it forces, if you will, uh, the dealers who have sold those calls to buy the mega cap stocks. So we have kind of some technical things that are really helping the mega caps do well. And, you know, that can continue. And that's the bottom line of what's happening. But for me, the overall market and what happens with treasury yields, I think are going to be the key determinants uh, between now and year end. A lot of people like getting those dividends, right? You know, you can take it, reinvest it, you can spend it on something else, move it around. Uh, Is that still a a part of people's portfolios, even as they're trying to make money in some other growth areas? Absolutely. I mean, again, you think about it, what you can make in a money market fund, uh, five basis points or less, uh, so, you know, stocks that yield around 3% or higher are really rewarding ve- investors for holding them. And if and when we get any kind of a pullback in the market, those dividends will act as a shock absorber, and those stocks will hold up better than especially some of the high flyers. Thanks so much. Really good advice. That's Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager at Smart Portfolios. You can find him online at macrotides.com. 
Just ahead, making sure you are financially compatible with your life partner. Also, later in the show, 1249, it's Stock Picker Monday. Conversation that's on the money. You're listening to the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Money can be a big source of conflict in a relationship. There are some specific areas that can provide a good idea on whether a couple is on the same financial page. Joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line, Ed Jertsen, certified financial planner, founder of Engage Wealth Group. He's the past president of the uh, Financial Planning Association. Find him online at engagewealthgroup.com. So, I mean, I guess for starters, people need to make sure they understand what a credit score is and what theirs is before they even start talking about their partner. Yeah, great start, Cisco. Understanding what your FICO or your credit score is, is a good first step to understanding basically your financial health. It's a financial health score. And most companies and most credit card companies are now offering this score for free. So don't feel the need to go out and pay. But understanding your score, your own individual score, and what it means first and foremost, again, is a great first step. And then what, what do you do in order to have that conversation with your partner? It's always awkward, even if you're thinking about uh, you know, getting married, which one you really need to know. Well, you know, it's often said love is blind, right? But but money is important. But again, if you look at the vows today, you know, sickness and in health and in wealth, as well as, you know, uh, poor, things like that, from a money standpoint, having a similar money sort of approach is very helpful. It doesn't mean it has to be exact, but if one of the partners is a spender and the one is a saver, you really need to have those conversations about how to balance and meet in the middle. And the other thing that especially is important is you don't want surprises. You know, when you're first getting together and you're dating and things like that, that's kind of one element. But as you get more serious, you want to definitely understand and make sure that there's no financial surprises sort of hiding in the darkness. So you talk about credit scores, you you talk about some of that other stuff. Uh, How how detailed do you get on debt? I mean, you just get a spreadsheet and go, here you go, here it all is. You know what? When you get to that point, when you're when you're making, let's say, that next proverbial next step, absolutely understanding how much debt someone has, understanding, you know, are you timely on your payments? You know, do you have, again, a good credit score, a solid credit score? And if not, it doesn't mean, oh, I need to break up with you. It's just another conversation and coming up with a plan, coming up with a plan to tackle the debt, because it could be debt on both sides and being having a commonality of interest in terms of tackling that debt is, again, really, really helpful in terms of solidifying that relationship. So what about goals? You, you might have, as you enter a relationship, you, one person has one set of goals, maybe to save a lot. The other person has other goals, maybe to take trips. I mean, they're not always on the same page. Well, I often joke with my clients that I have a PhD in marital psychology because I can tell you from experience, very few couples are ever on the same page. And so, again, it's just that conversation. It's, it's coming up with compromises. Hey, we'll go do this this year or this another year in terms of, let's say, just some simple goals in terms of travel and other things. But when it comes down to the bigger goals, buying a house or, or retiring or things like that, it's really important to make sure that you have these good conversations. And sitting in front of a certified financial planner can help guide you through those conversations as well. And if the goals are not the same, I mean, are there ways that you compromise so each part sort of gets at least some of what they want on those goals? Without a question of a doubt. If you've got one spouse who wants to retire, let's say, early, and the other one is like, I don't think we can do it. Again, trying to figure out 
the finances and how that works from that picture is really important because ultimately, again, you know, one partner might get their way just because they're being stubborn and that's not going to help in the long term, both from a financial standpoint and from a relationship standpoint. But ultimately, again, good direct conversations are incredibly helpful to create peace and harmony in the family. Thanks so much. Always good advice from Ed Jertson. You can find him online at EngageWealthGroup.com. He's a certified financial planner. This time tomorrow, Travel Tuesday. Still to come, our Monday Stock Picker. Loaning useful information each weekday. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Stock Picker Monday on the Noon Business Hour. David Brady is joining us, president of Brady Investment Council. Uh, David, good to have you with us. So what's your first pick? How about the discount retailer Dollar Tree? Uh, the ticker symbol is DLTR. Uh, the shares got sounded pretty good last week after they reported their sales and earnings. Um, we got excited by the fact that they beat the earnings, but they missed sales. And uh, more importantly, they took guidance down for the rest of the year. The issues around the guidance reduction were pretty uh, well known. Maybe not so well understood, but well known. The, the supply constraint issues, uh, shipping costs, inflation those sorts of things. But we do that as transitory. Uh, we think uh, the management team here is exceptional. We like what they're doing with their new store concepts. We particularly like this uh, uh, Dollar Tree combo family dollar store. Uh, the consumer response here has been very positive. So we think longer term, uh, you know, we've got a good entry point for what is going to be a very good long-term investment. So uh, $91 right now, uh, where do you see it going? Oh, I'd say in the next 12 to 18 months, you know, somewhere about, you know, say that 110 to 115 range, and then, you know, significantly higher longer term, if, you know, management continues to execute the way they have. And that really just reflects the fact that, I mean, Dollar Tree, the, the uh, products that they're selling, consumers still want those lower-priced items. There's no real let-up in demand there. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's what we mean by the fundamentals. I mean, the, the demand there, and, you know, positively, We've got a great management team, and they've got this combo family dollar uh, Dollar Tree store, which is, gives this sort of the thrill of the Dollar Tree hunt and, uh, you know, the craft items along with general merchandise items that are very attractively priced. And uh, the consumer response, and, and including here at the Brady House, has been very, very positive. So, so we think they've got something good here. And like I say, longer term, we think once we get – you know, the shipping costs and inflation issues and the supply chain issues taken care of, uh, there's quite a bit of earnings power here that just isn't reflected in the share price today. So that's Dollar Tree, ticker symbol DLTR. What's your second pick? Uh, how about Tapestry? This is the uh, holder of uh, Coach Brands and Kate Spade and Stuart Weitzman. Uh, we like the handbag and accessories market. It's a big global market. It tends to be very profitable. We think Tapestry has a very solid and growing position within within that market. And I, I think what gets us most excited about Tapestry is after being a very well-run company for uh, a good part of its history, they really went through a slump, 78-year slump, and it appears that they have the management team uh, solidly in place right now. They've got a good strategy, a very clear strategy. They are executing on it. They just reported a quarter. Uh, their fiscal year end, uh, you know, just blew away the res- uh, you know all expectations. Uh, the guidance was very positive. They took it up. They the cash flow that they generated was impressive. They're using it to pay off debt and you know, authority and that cash positive company. 
they reinstated their dividends. So for income investors, you're you're buying a company with plenty of earnings power that's yielding you know better than two percent, and the dividend you know is likely to grow at a rate significantly faster than inflation. So uh, you know, great management, great brands, uh, great cash flow guidance going up, uh, and still you know. Uh, the, the shares we feel are underappreciated by Wall Street right here in the low 40s. Thanks so much, David Brady, president of Brady Investment Council, our Monday stock picker this week. His two picks, Dollar Tree, D-L-T-R, and Tapestry, T-P-R. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.